Today on this episode of the PV Roundup Special Spotlight. I think that this technology is sure going to be a game changer in terms of functional testing, especially down to that very microscopic level. Today, Dr. Snittleman Yu rejoined the podcast for part two of topics from the 2023 annual meeting of the Association for Research in Vision and Ophthalmology Insights in this PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. Regeneron is pleased to support this educational resource for healthcare professionals who provide retinal care. The content is solely the responsibility of the authors and does not necessarily represent the views of Regeneron or its affiliates. Welcome back to part two of Dr. Noodleman's and Yu's discussion of topics presented at the 2023 Annual Meeting of the Association for Research in Vision and Ophthalmology. Yeah, in fact, there were some uh, studies that were uh, presented from, uh, that were earlier preclinical studies or phase one or two studies uh, which were for diabetic retinopathy. One of was a uh, topical therapy. It was from a company called Ocuterra, OTT-166, which was a uh, integrin inhibitor, and it's a topical eyedropper diabetic retinopathy. And this was a phase one study, and they showed reduction in the amount of diabetic retinopathy with a daily drop, uh, and they're just looking for safety, but at one month, there was a reduction in the level of diabetic retinopathy. There was another one that I saw uh, from Ashvatha Therapeutics. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, Uh, but the company has a oral formulation of uh, something that they believe um, uh, reduces neovascularization by targeting microglia and RPE cells uh, and they tested it in a uh, AMD model and a DME model, and it's an oral therapy in preclinical studies and found a pretty profound effect. So I think the idea of uh, having a topical or an oral therapy for diabetic retinopathy is really exciting. Yeah, no, that's definitely, I'm glad you're keeping up with all these different uh, items, uh, different treatments that are in the pipeline, and it's very exciting to see what's to come. Um, one of the other uh, new technologies I saw in the pipeline uh, is something called optoretinography. It's been, we've been hearing about this technology on and off from the engineering standpoint, but n- there are no commercial products yet. But we all heard of electroretinography or ERG, uh, and we obviously all know OCT. We always think of ERG as a functional test and OCT as an imaging text, test uh, or an anatomic test. And what we found is that apparently that there's these, techn- uh, these abilities of using OCT at really, really high speeds to detect very subtle changes in the uh, outer retinal layers, like the IS, the inner segment and outer segment portions of the, of the, re- of the photoreceptors that will change shape when it's hit by light. So they can actually measure that movement. And so essentially you can get almost single cell level uh, uh, functional testing of photoreceptors without the contact lens, without any kind of multifocal ERG or electroretinography testing. And I think that this technology is sure going to be a game changer in terms of functional testing, especially down to that very microscopic level. Wow, that's really exciting. Uh, there was a lot of things there that had to do with, uh, with gene editing, the world of gene editing. 
Um, I saw one from a company called Acidian, uh, which um, has a technology to edit RNA. Uh, and this was particularly relevant for uh, Stargardt's disease. So ABCA4 is a, is a giant gene. And so editing at the DNA level is very challenging because they can't package it into uh, the vectors that are commonly used. So they, they have a, a way of doing this where it edits the RNA and then allows you to edit very large genes. Uh, so the, the company showed uh, both in vitro and in vivo data with uh, really um, strong editing capabilities and are now poised to start a phase one to clinical trial. Now, Glenn, I know that gene editing is something that you're uh, personally interested in and, uh, and had a couple of presentations at, at the meeting. Um, can you tell us about, uh, about the work from your group? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, actually, um, the award lecture from Eric Pierce was also interesting because he also mentioned some of the work um, that everyone might have heard of from Editas, uh, the Edit 101 program for Labor's Congenital Amaurosis uh, in the early, the phase one, two brilliance trial. Um, unfortunately, that, that uh, study is uh, uh, no longer moving on, or that program is no longer, longer moving on, uh, but it did demonstrate the feasibility and safety of being able to deploy, uh, using an AAV to deploy CRISPR gene editing tools to treat a disease. Um, now, many of the current platforms like that one uses what's called a SA-Cas9. It's, it's an enzyme that's from the Staph aureus uh, bacteria. Uh, but the more classic uh, uh, CRISPR editing tools from uh, uh, strep pneumonia or strep, uh, sorry, pyogenes, SP-Cas9. And so one of the uh, reports that we, our group, uh, announced was the use of CRISPR using SPCAS9 to target VEGF. Um, now that you have many gene editing, gene therapy platforms for VEGF, um, we've also been developing one for um, uh, uh, gene editing of VEGF. Uh, unfortunately, these studies were only done in non-human primates, and there were some early signs that there were these interesting concentric macular rings that may be a potential sign of toxicity um, there, um, even though it was ultimately effective at suppressing corridor neovascularization in our model. Um, it just asks us to kind of go back a little bit to the drawing board and evaluate the, the uh, potential safety in, uh, of using CRISPR targeting tools. Partially, it has to do with the fact that unlike many gene therapies where you're delivering a native human protein to augment, you know, a missing protein or a mutated protein. Uh, using CRISPR, you're delivering a bacterial origin enzyme or protein. And so it's important for us to really start to think about what are the potential immune uh, um, consequences of delivering a bacterial protein. Uh, but I think it's still round one. It's the first inning of the gene editing world. Uh, so I'm very excited to see so much uh, new, exciting uh, information come out of this ARVO meeting. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, it, it really is an exciting time in ophthalmology and, and particularly in renal diseases uh, with, with gene therapy and gene editing. Uh, we have this incredible opportunity because the tissue is accessible surgically and it only requires a small amount of material uh, to really affect function. So uh, as opposed to other organs in the body, we're, we're really going to see a lot of progress uh, in the near future. And it was fun to see all of the things that are uh, in early development uh, at Arvo this year. So Glenn, it's been such a pleasure talking to you uh, as it always is. And I look forward to chatting again soon. 
Thanks, Eric. Thanks for inviting me. And that's today's special spotlight. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PV Roundup Podcast. For more stories like this, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. Thoughts, comments, or suggestions? Please leave us a review on your preferred listening platform or email us at editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing Medical News Roundup and just ask, what's my Flash Briefing? Thanks today to our guests, Dr. Nittleman and you. Join me next time for an episode where we'll cover the latest stories in the world of medicine.